welcome to the Commune Podcast. My name is Jeff Krasno. This week, I'm happy to bring you yet another fantastic course from the Commune Library. As you may know, in addition to being a podcast, Commune is also a video course platform featuring a wide range of programs from top teachers on personal growth, yoga, meditation, spirituality, functional medicine, nutrition, and social impact. Essentially, everything that you need to be holistically well. This week, you will be hearing from Ayurvedic practitioner Nidhi Pandya. Now, for those of you who are new to Ayurveda, here's a little background. Ayurveda is a holistic system of medicine that is indigenous and widely practiced in India. And the word Ayurveda itself is a Sanskrit term meaning the science of life. Ayu means life or daily living, and Veda is knowing. Ayurveda is thus a medical system that deals with health in all of its aspects, physical health, mental health, spiritual well-being, social welfare, environmental considerations, and dietary and lifestyle habits, as well as treating and managing specific diseases. In her program, Ayurvedic Nutrition, Nidhi shares a holistic approach to nourishing your body through the lens of Ayurveda. You'll learn how to better time your meals, strengthen digestion, use traditional Ayurvedic spices, and explore the connection between what you eat and how you actually feel. By the end of this course, you will have a newfound clarity and an action plan for lasting health in a way that's right for you. So over the course of the next five days, we will be releasing the first five parts of Nitty's course. Now, if you want to watch the full video version, which includes 10 core lessons plus a downloadable workbook, well, then I encourage you to go to onecommune.com trial and sign up for a free trial of Commune membership. That's onecommune.com trial. There you can sign up for 14 days of free all access to Commune's entire course library, including the full-length version of Ayurvedic Nutrition. Now, we'll always email you before your free trial is up. But if you continue on to become a Commune member, well, thank you. Our members are the key reason, really, we are able to create and share free content like this. And if you regularly tune into this podcast, I also ask that you subscribe on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or your favorite pod catcher. Tap follow show and leave a review. It makes a huge difference. On day three, Nitty reveals the things that have a major impact on your ability to digest and properly use the energy from foods. One of those things is the timing of consumption of food. Okay, let's dig in. In this segment, we are going to talk about some of those things that have a major impact on your ability to digest and use foods, but those things that are not really often talked about. One of those things is kala. Kala means the timing of consumption of food. And for the most part, we are we usually end up eating when we have the time or when we are hungry. We also don't have regular meal times. But according to the Ayurvedic science, where the fundamental principle is that as is the cosmos, such is the human body. 
as is the human body, such is the cosmos. This principle by itself tells us that we are very deeply tied in to the order of the universe. Now, being diurnal mammals, right, we have a distinct relationship with the sun. Our body kind of rises when the sun rises and sets when the sun sets. And some of us might be familiar with the term called circadian rhythm, which is how do your sleep and wake cycles work? But as people are looking into it further, and something that Ayurveda identified a long time ago, was that it's not only your sleep and wake cycles that are related to the sun, it's also your ability to digest foods. There are certain energies which are dominant in different parts of the day. And based on that, functioning of certain activities, they're more enhanced. So let's go into this a little bit, just with that in our minds, that Let's look at the universe around us and see how the day changes. The one thing I'd like to point out here is that pretty much all other mammals are actually in tune with their rhythms. If you've ever gone for a safari, you probably may have heard the ranger telling you that, oh, it's, you know, it's afternoon and you'll probably see these animals and it's nighttime or it's a sunny day. So we've somewhere lost the intelligence that we carried originally to be able to tell what is it that we require in our bodies at different timings during the day. So let's see what happens in the morning. In the hours of 6 to 10, around then, early morning when you wake up and you look at the earth around you and there is a kind of wetness, a kind of sluggishness, maybe dew. You know, birds are slowly chirping, leaving their nests. But if you really tune in to the environment in the morning, you can tell that there is a slow start. And that's exactly what's happening in your body. It's called the kapha time of the day, which is a little bit of a wet time of the day. And what happens in the morning is, just as the universe is slightly wet, such so is our body. The evidence for that is that if you've ever tried to exercise in the morning, your joints could feel a little more slow and sluggish. People have congestion, maybe eye boogers. Basically, all the fluids in the body are a little bit more dense. So what is it that you're supposed to eat, consume, and do in the morning to support this? Now, before you really head into the day, and during this morning time, the hours between 6 and 10, of course, while exercise is recommended to really get your engine started, for food, the ideal recommendation is a warm breakfast. Something warm, something a little liquid, something spiced. When your body is feeling cold, it needs to be stimulated. One of the biggest mistakes we make in our times today is the consumption of fruit in the morning. I mean, just think about it. Fruit by its own quality is a little sluggish. It's a little wet. If you've ever thrown fruit into a trash can, you can see how quickly it starts fermenting. So fruit first thing in the morning, while it seems like the most healthiest option, is actually going to add to the properties of that sluggishness, that slowness, sinus congestion, all of those. In that case, you can make yourself a warm spiced porridge, cooked apples. Basically, you want to go and head towards a hot, nice breakfast. Now, let's take it further into the day. As the day builds up, as the sun begins to shine harder, 
it becomes warm on the planet. That's when plants really begin their photosynthesis. As human beings, we ourselves have, you know, the busiest hours at work are usually between 10 and 2 because it's the energy of transformation that's dominant on the planet. Everybody's at work. All diurnal species are at work. It's also when we become very active in our minds and our agni or our digestive fire is very activated. If you notice, when you don't eat lunch, you probably get hangry versus if you skip dinner, you may get cranky because it's that heat, that intense heat in the body. When that's not really fed, the food, you don't give fuel to the fire, it kind of starts acting up. Which also means that lunchtime is your biggest opportunity to eat whatever you want. I tell everybody, this is when you do your indulgences. So of course, while you still want to follow as many Ayurvedic principles in terms of combining your six tastes and in terms of adding the spices and the good fats, this is really where you can go all out, eat bigger portions, indulge. And often people find it find that they feel sluggish after lunch, but when you give up cold foods for breakfast and you're eating a warm breakfast, when you give up smoothies and fruits and you eat a warm breakfast, that is unlikely to happen that you feel extremely sluggish after the lunchtime. So take advantage of lunchtime. You know, while it's your most productive in terms of your mind, it's also most productive in terms of your agni being able to digest your food. Now, let's take it later into the day when you just think about what happens, you know, in the hours from two to six, right around three o'clock or four o'clock for most people, they begin to feel a little bit wind in their body. And if you look around you in the universe as the sun sets, it becomes more windy. And evidence of this is in all the stretching that happens and this kind of lullness, dullness that comes at four o'clock. Most people reach out for their caffeine then. Now, of course, you want to have, you want to consume something that's going to activate and stimulate you because now the universe is kind of, you know, going home and so is your, so is your body and digestion. At this point, I would recommend going out there, taking a few deep breaths, walking a little bit, and then maybe drinking a stimulating tea like maybe tulsi or dried ginger, something that's active like a peppermint and fueling yourself through that. It's easy to run out for caffeine, but then caffeine only extends, fools you that you have more energy than you do at this hour. Now let's take it further into the day. As the sun begins to set, and I invite you to actually notice the sounds, the sounds of the birds when the day is first activated early in the morning and the sounds around you in the evening, the nature sounds are quite different. They're more settling. The energy that's very dominant is the energy of earth. It's a very grounding energy. And it's your time to also ground what happens to the digestive fire, to the agni at that point, is it really begins to settle in and even shut down. So ideally, we're not supposed to be this dinner-eating species, but we've really evolved ourselves into that. Now, if you're working on a farm or you're an athlete, it's a different story. But for most of us, dinner is an unnecessary meal. But now, since we've gotten our bodies used to dinner and your agni is really settling and shutting down by the end of the day, I would recommend eating a very small portion of light dinner. And this is really where we kind of go wrong because a lot of people have long work days and dinner is their only quiet meal. But doing that, right, 
allowing yourself to sit with so much food right before bedtime really slows down the great opportunity that lies in the next few phases of the night. So if you plan for that nice hot breakfast and a big lunch and maybe something stimulating at four o'clock and a really small dinner like a soup or some roasted veggies, then you can really set yourself up for the next part of the day, which is the first part of the night, which is starting at 10 p.m. to 2 a.m. Now, the recommendation is to be in bed by 10 p.m. because something really wonderful happens. And today we know that, that there is a melatonin rise and your body conducts this internal repair and restoration. And when you're sleeping and you don't have that excess food sitting in your gut, then your body is really able to use that energy to detect all the cells that need work, that the debris that needs to be cleaned up. It's like a deep cleaning and healing that your body goes through every single night. So when you're asleep between the hours of 10 and 2, then you can take advantage of this opportunity where your body does this deep cleaning. Now, if you've noticed around two o'clock, a lot of people, when this kind of internal cleaning is done, a lot of times people wake up either in a sweat because those toxins are released or they want to urinate. And it's not necessary that you'll wake up like that, but around two o'clock, sometimes you can toss and turn and the sleep gets lighter because you come into the morning part of the day, which is from two to six. Now, basically all functions have been done. You've consumed food in the day, it's been digested, you've gone through the night, the debris has been clean. So there's a kind of lightness in the nervous system. And if you're able to sleep through it, great. But mostly when people are awoken at this hour between two and six, they find themselves very anxious because of the lightness. Now your nervous system has space. It has the ability to go wherever it wants and often it can lead to anxiety. Of course, this is also a great opportunity since there is space created for people to meditate, do some grounding work, do some chanting, really connect with themselves. And then come six o'clock, you kind of start the cycle all over again. The one thing, that one opportunity that lies at around six o'clock, right when this space, this so-called vata time of the night is ending, there's an opportunity where your peristaltic movement becomes natural and active. So if you were to wake up at six, you would be more likely to have an easy bowel movement, which is ideal at this time in the day. And it will also help to activate your agni for the next day. So like that, when we understand that all mammals work with this intelligence that the universe carries and you end up kind of going with the flow, swimming with the tide, otherwise your body has to work twice as hard to work against its natural rhythms when we're eating heavy dinners and lighter lunches and sleeping late. So I'm going to just sum that up really quickly for you again. Early morning, 6 to 10 is the time of the day when you're sluggish, stim exercise, stimulating breakfast. Lunchtime between 10 and 2, the sun is out, we're most productive, so is our Agni. Eat your biggest lunch, your biggest meal at that point. 2 to 6, it gets windy outside. You kind of experience wind and like a dullness in your own body. Get out there, some fresh air, a spicy tea like ginger or peppermint. 
Dinner, the world is really shutting down. So is your agni or digestive fire. Eat a really small portion. Get to bed by 10 o'clock. And if you wake up before 6, if you're unable to sleep and you wake up before 6, use that time to do some breath work, meditation, grounding, channeling, and then you do it all over again at 6. So when you really follow these rhythms, your body will stay in balance and be able to digest and metabolize your foods effectively. So in this section, I'm going to bring up again a completely new concept and which is the order in which you eat your foods. And we're used to eating salads first and then order main course or we, you know, say appetizer and then the main course. But really, there is a deeper science behind this when you look at it from an Ayurvedic perspective. Now, the goal is that you want to eat food when your Agni is activated and high and functioning at its best. So when you first come to your table with, and you look at your meal, the fact that your Agni is still high, it's ready to get food. According to Ayurveda, you actually eat the heaviest portion of the meal first. So you actually start out by just a little bit of activation of your Agni. What I recommend is a little piece of ginger, you know, maybe soaked in some lemon juice for a few hours with a little bit of salt and just place that on your tongue. And that can even further stimulate your agni or your digestive fire. And that's when you begin eating and you want to go for what's madhura rasa, the biggest the biggest portion of your meal, the most nourishing, heaviest portion of your meal. Because while your agni is still at its best, it can do an effective job of breaking down that which is the heaviest. We do it in a reverse order when we have the bitter greens, the salads first. Of course, if you were to consume something like a bowl, you could have those cooked greens with, with the heaviest portion of your meal, and that's fine. But the one thing you definitely don't want to do is leave the heaviest portion of your meals towards the ending. So no dessert in the ending. If you've ever gone to an Ayurvedic or an Indian brunch, the sweets, the traditional sweets are always placed at the front. And this is the reason. You want to get to them while your fire is still burning hot, and then you want to get to the lighter stuff. If you do end up reversing the order and you have the bitter greens first and what the bitter greens do, what the bitter taste does is it kind of cools your system down. It starts scraping things off even before you actually have them in your gut. So it's also going to lower your digestive fire. And often people feel like, oh, I ate a salad. I'm not hungry anymore, even though it was so light. The reason for that is your agni has gone out. So when you ask yourself the question, what has this done to the environment of your gut? it's actually put out your fire. It's put out your digestive fire. So it may feel like you've eaten less calories. You may feel like it's lighter in the short term, but in the long term, it's going to affect your metabolic activity because you always want to make sure that you're never too dry, you're never too cold. And that's exactly what eating a salad in the beginning would do. So with that, the order of the foods go like you the little piece of ginger or something that's stimulating a pickle, to your appetite, and then you go for the biggest portion. Of course, they can be combined with this with the five other tastes, but you want to go for the madhura or the sweet rasa. 
and uh, and you call it a day and that's the end of your meal and when you do it this way you will begin to notice a difference in the way your foods digest how often have you looked at the serving size of something and felt like oh i couldn't eat all of it or i want to eat more of it and then you may eat the same serving of a certain food and notice that another friend of yours can eat that same exact quantity but react differently i've heard this several times that people tell me i eat very little and i still feel very big so what really is the right portion i mean are we going to rely upon labels to determine portions now while that can be useful to a certain extent the whole goal of this course is to bring the attention back to you so according to ayurveda it the ayurvedic understanding is that you really tune into your natural appetite and hunger and you say that if my stomach was divided in three parts how is it that i want to fill these three parts and ideally a meal should comprise of 1/3 solids 1/3 liquid and 1/3 portion should be left untouched empty and that is because you need that little space for your agni for the agni which imagine it to be like a little bonfire so you need that little wind for it to be constantly stoked for things to move around in your stomach now how are you going to assess what is 1/3 solid 1/3 liquid my suggestion is before you begin to eat really tune in and see where is that hunger coming from does it come from the chest does it come from the gut if it comes from the chest it's probably a craving which is emotional if it comes from genuine hunger then you want to eat your foods and when it says 1/3 liquid it means that your food are foods are predominantly eaten in a semi solid form the code for this is the understanding is that you don't eat foods that are all solid and dense you make them liquefied so that they're smoother and they're easier to digest and then when you're done eating then you tune in again and see how full it is that you feel a lot of us are used to eating till we feel very very full and then rely upon that little food coma to make ourselves feel comfortable but when you're able to systematically notice how you feel before and how you feel after you can gradually come to a good understanding of portion size but what can also happen is that depending on the time of the day depending on the season depending on the state of your balance your appetite may differ but when you tune in this way and you're able to take into account how full your stomach feels so maybe a little bit could satiate you at one point and maybe you need a little bit more at other times but then you're really bringing the intelligence back to you the goal is to bring the intelligence back to you to you to be able to really tune into your agni because dumping your agni with more foods is going to affect the environment of the agni and giving it less than it needs again is going to create havoc so you tune in and determine what portions work for you there is one last thing that i'd like to say is that when you look at the 1/3 solid and the 1/3 liquid and you identify that uh, the foods need to be predominantly in a liquefied form 
and we think about some of the protein-rich foods that we've become used to eating, which are very dry and very dense, those may measure out really well in their nutrient content in the laboratory. But if they are going to hurt the digestive environment, if they are going to make it slower and denser, they're contraindicated. So when it comes to assessing how to eat, how much to eat, or the matra of your foods, the amount of portion really is something else that, again, you want to take back the control for. And assessing it in this manner will allow for that to happen. So what is the first thing that you get offered at a restaurant is a glass of cold ice water. And you drink it sometimes, you don't at other times. But then often people wonder, when is the right time to drink water and should I drink water with my meals? Now let's really get into this because when you drink water really changes how effectively your food is metabolized. Now in the Ayurvedic understanding, right, just think about it. It's you're hungry, your agni is nice and happy, and then you take a glass of water and then you gulp it down. That's like a little rainstorm before you've even started planting your seeds and nothing goes well then. Think of it like a little puddle sitting in your gut and often people feel like I've had so much water that I can't eat. I also want you to use the example of a blender. You know, if you're making a chutney or a pesto in a blender and you throw in a lot of water at first and then you throw in your solids and then you blend it, it becomes very liquefied. And that's kind of what happens to the food. Instead of staying in that semi-solid consistency, there's a little pool, your agni has died down, and a mechanism is kicked in whereby everything starts churning really fast and your body cannot effectively extract nutrients. Then what about drinking water after meals, which is also what certain people do? And now I want you to think about like your Agni is nice and happy. It's assessed what's, what's coming in. It's actively breaking down the foods one by one. And it's doing, it's kept itself at the right temperature. So it's like you're cooking in the oven. And now suddenly while you're cooking, somebody turns the oven off or takes out your tray and pours a lot of water in it. It goes, everything goes cold and things kind of stop. The metabolism, the breakdown stops. And that's what happens when you drink a lot of water after your meals. With that, undigested residue is left sitting in your gut. You feel heavy. And the Ayurvedic understanding is it builds extra poor quality, unnecessary tissue. So when is the right time to drink water and what is the type of water to drink? So the right time to drink water with meals is actually with your meal. If you've noticed, there's a lot of cultures that drink a little bit of green tea or a hot liquid with their foods. And that again goes back to the concept that you need one third solid, one third liquid. Again, I'm going to bring you to the understanding of that little blender. And if you've ever blended anything and if you pour a liquid right intermittently, it blends really, really well. And a little sip here, a little sip there, especially hot water, which will not alter the environment or the temperature of the gut, can really support the digestion 
and the blending together with your foods. So just summing this up for you again is when water is consumed before you start eating, it puts out your digestive fire, liquefies it, just pushes it all out without extracting nutrients. Ayurvedic understanding is that it will leave you undernourished. When you drink water after your meals, your body is nicely in that right temperature zone and you put liquid in it, it'll slow things down. It will leave you poorly but overnourished, building more than you want to. But if you drink the right quantity of hot or warm water intermittently, a sip by sip, during your meals that may support in breaking down your foods, blending them together and affect or the metabolism. So we often take pride in like, I'm so busy that I eat on the go. What is really the right way to eat? What is the right posture to eat? Is there even a science behind the posture? Now, once again in Ayurveda, how you sit to eat can really change the way your Agni functions. And Agni is everything. Agni is life. Your digestive environment is really what determines how things churn in your body. So what is the right way to sit and eat? I want to take you back into my childhood. When I was growing up, a dining table sitting on a chair was something that I literally saw only happen in movies on a daily basis. And I grew up in an urban metropolitan city, but I grew up with 14 people and we sat cross-legged on the floor, usually in a circle, eating our meals. And then on occasion, you know, we would want to sit on the dining table. So the right way again to eat your meals is, is crisscross applesauce, cross-legged in Sukhasan and preferably on the ground. And when you can't do it on the ground, then you're able to sit on the chair. I actually will often go to restaurants and I'll sit cross-legged on the chair and I'll eat. I'll take the bench side. I'll go and grab that first without being overly conspicuous. And even if it is, you want to sit that way as much as possible. So why? What is the science behind sitting cross-legged? Now your Agni, right, or your digestive fire, I want you to think of it actually as a bonfire. You know, you're really putting out that fireplace, putting on that fireplace, and it needs a really steady base. And if you've seen any of the yoga postures, when they're sitting and doing any energetic work, it is that cross-legged, wide-based position. And your crisscross, the cross-legged position, gives you that wide base. And it also engages your abdominal muscles. You actually need to engage your muscles. So all the blood rushes there automatically and naturally. Then your fire, your Agni, gets even more activated. Now, the other thing in Ayurveda is that standing, you know, there is a saying in Ayurveda that a person who is always standing and drinking water, death is lurking behind him. Now, while of course that is an exaggeration, it kind of gives you an insight into how detrimental it is to be standing and consuming food. And the reason for that, again, is of course your abdominals are not engaged, blood is rushing through the legs, but also, right, your anal sphincter is actually considered to be a vent in Ayurveda, which means if you're standing and your anal sphincter is a, is a little bit more open and more relaxed, your warmth, your heat from the Agni is actually escaping out 
of your anus, of your anal sphincter. So when you sit down and you engage your muscles in that way, you're actually kind of closing in your pelvis and you're giving that Agni a strong base. So as much as possible, we want to be able to sit A, and whenever possible, you want to be sitting in a cross-legged position. Of course, you want the spine to be as tall as you can. And also sitting in a vehicle and consuming food is again detrimental because there is a constant motion, the agni that should be steady and sharp, right? Imagine your bonfire, if the base is moving constantly, it becomes a little volatile and the rate of breakdown and the way nutrients are extracted from it, they're the, not the most effective. So one single change that you can make to your diet and the way you eat is how you sit to eat. And you will notice a huge difference and the timing of digestion and the quality of digestion. Now, while Ayurveda talks about what should you cook in, it doesn't talk about flatware, it doesn't talk about spoons and forks because it wants you to eat with your hands. All foods are finger foods, even if you're eating khichdi. And that's what we do in my household. And the reason for that is when you touch your food, when you bring that sense of touch to your food and your nerve endings in your fingertips can feel the food, the texture and the temperature, it already prepares your digestion for what's coming. So the aromas will prepare your digestion. The aromas combined with the touch of your hands and then you eat those foods not only does it make for an amazing meal experience, it really sets you up for better digestion. So as homework, right, I have provided you with a circadian rhythm chart. So you can actually look at it and sit on it and see if you can feel those predominant energies and really tune into your body and observe them so that you can conduct your lifestyle and your activities and the way you eat according to the rhythm of the sun. Another thing that I want to offer you is something that I find really effective is I call it the FMP journal, the food, mood, and poop journal. Because what I often find is when you begin to really write down what you're eating, and I actually want you to start doing this even before you've taken into account some of the guidelines. And how, how was your digestion that day? How were you feeling that day? And you may add, we've added another column to it called S, symptoms. So it becomes the FMPS journal, the food, mood, poop, and symptom journal. And you start noticing what happens for you. And then as you begin to make some of these changes and eat bigger lunches and give up the fruit in the morning and sleep at a certain time, include all the six tastes, eat heavier foods at the start of your meal, and you start seeing magically as the weeks go by that your symptoms feel milder, your digestion feels much stronger. Most of all, I see that within three weeks, people start noticing that their bowel movements have regulated where they're not only going every day, they're going every day, usually in the mornings. And which is one great indicator of good digestion and good health is having that bowel movement early on in the day. What this FMPS journal will also allow you to do is kind of notice if certain foods don't agree with your body. You may have been completely missing you know certain ingredients certain foods but it's one I would say 50% 50% of 
all diagnosis that I do relies upon this FMPS journal. So I want to offer it to you and I hope you find it useful. Thank you so much for listening to this excerpt from Nidhi Pandya's course, Ayurvedic Nutrition. If you want to watch the full video version, which includes 10 core lessons plus a downloadable workbook, well, I encourage you to go to onecommune.com slash trial and sign up for a free trial of commune membership. That's onecommune.com slash trial. There you can sign up for 14 days of free all access to Commune's entire course library, including the full-length version of Ayurvedic Nutrition. Of course, feel free to email me anytime with suggestions or criticism of the constructive variety at jeffk at onecommune.com. Okay, that's all from the Commune for today. My name is Jeff Krasno, and I'm here for you.